You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Jeff, this next bit is a conversation that you and I have talked about some, uh, but I'm going to take two two comments in conjunction here because they play off of each other, and I want to talk about this a little bit more. Uh, first off, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Jeff in the 812 says, spend money on a new team doctor and trainers. And mm-hmm. then I agree with Jeff. And then Mike checks like in, answering back to Debbie. This whole conversation was taking place over in the chat, uh, which is why it's fun to, to be on these live shows. It says the starters aren't healthy because the Reds do not know how to work out the pitchers in a healthy manner. So let's take those two things collectively because I don't necessarily agree, Mike, that they don't know how to work out the pitchers. Uh, in today's baseball, injuries happen. Uh, and, and these guys are going to get tweaked. They're going to get hurt. There's going to be problems. I get that. I accept that. But circling back to the first part of this, doctors and trainers, I have a huge problem with the way that the Reds have handled medical issues for a couple seasons now. And I agree. I am full ready. Let's just overhaul the whole darn thing. Get new team doctors, new team trainers, because clearly whatever it is they're doing to rehab injuries and and get guys healthy is not working. And, you know, I don't cover every other team on a daily basis, Jeff. Uh, Maybe it just feels like the Reds are worse at this than everybody else in baseball. But I don't know of other teams that consistently play shorthanded with injured guys on the roster and have guys come back from injury only to go right back on the IL the next day more than the Cincinnati Reds do. It feels like that's a lot. And then there was the added thing this past year of the number of times we saw reports of so-and-so returned from rehab assignment, which doesn't mean they went on a rehab assignment and were deemed healthy and ready to play. That meant they went on a rehab assignment and they were deemed unhealthy and they put them back on the IL. They did that a lot this past year. And I I think that there's definitely something to this. It's not necessarily the analysis that we're able to really dive deep in, but I just know what I see and the way that the Reds have operated this last year, really two years has been kind of weird on that to address the, the pitching workout thing. I've thought about this a lot over the last few years, the way that the pitching philosophy and development within the organization has changed over the last five years. You think about this, Kyle Bodie was here and Kyle Bodie's mantra was 110%, 100% of the time, like go hard, like every single pitch you have, throw it as hard as you possibly can every time. And I think that they developed that way. I think they practiced that way. And then whenever he left and the pitching philosophy changed and Derek Johnson took over the organization's development plan, I think that there was a little bit of a, a, you know, a a retreat from that, not necessarily in a negative way. I think it was in a needed way because we've talked about this before. You cannot pitch 100%, 100% of the time. You've got to be able to pitch 90%, 85%, something like that. So with that change, I think you've got guys who came up through the lower levels of the minor leagues, throwing as hard as they possibly can. And as they got closer to the major leagues, that philosophy changed and they were learning how to do that. And because they were going from, you know, warp 10 to warp two, they just absolutely, I don't know why I'm on Star Trek references today, but they, 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 they hurt themselves in the process. Well, and, you know, TJ Antone and Lucas Sims are both examples of that. And and they're they're having to learn to do it all over again. I did, by the way, we've talked about whether or not 
Antone's still going to be around. He's been posting workout videos over on Instagram. So he's definitely making a push to get back. Um, I meant I to, to see that, that. Yeah. earlier and, and forgot, but he has been posting workout videos. So good on him. I really hope that he's successful and finds a way to be back and be healthy. Cause if he can be talk about a, a valuable piece to a bullpen, if he could be healthy for an entire season and effective, mm, that's, Major that's, League Baseball that's, doesn't really have a comeback player of the year thing, but he'd be a shoe in for that if that was a thing. How about this one, Jeff? Uh, we, we, we joke about these kind of things sometimes, but let's let's do this. Jonathan says, let's make a splash. How about the package, the hypothetical package it would take to trade for Soto? We need an outfielder and he's a pretty good option. LOL. Um, yeah, <laughs> but the package so. that it would take to get. Listen. Uh, go ahead, Jeff, because I mean, I love these kind of things, but yeah. I would I'm not going to be willing to even entertain the idea of what it would take to to bring him to Cincinnati. If the Reds traded for Juan Soto, I think I would figure out how to frame it within my camera and I would try to do a backflip on the podcast. I don't necessarily know that it could ever happen because the first thing I saw, I saw a rumor here recently that the Padres are really searching or a first baseman, center fielder, starting pitching help. Now, the interesting part about this is baseball trade values actually has TJ Friedel. His trade value is around $30 million, which, like we said, Jonathan India, $7.7 million. That means he's almost four times more valuable than Jonathan India. So could you package TJ Friedel and maybe one of the young starters, maybe like a Connor Phillips or something, and then – First baseman, I don't – I think you have to talk about CES, but then you're talking about a super expensive trade package that I don't know that I could get behind. No, I, I think what we've learned is that baseball general managers and, and the front office guys have gotten more and more and more savvy, and it, it just the, – the, the days of mutually beneficial trading are almost over. It's it's when it's yeah. the trades are going to be not for a great trade where I fix my team needs you fix your team needs we both walk away happy we both gave away a little bit more than we wanted to but we got everything that we wanted in return kind of deal those deals are going away it's more of you're going to rent this guy you're going to overpay you're going to give us Spencer Steer plus to get Tyler Malley you're going to make those trades those are going to be the trades. Um, uh, which which is why I don't think they're going to do the starting. Anyway, I'm not going to get back. Well, it, and as fun as the idea is, and as fun as the exercise is, because I would love, again, love Juan Soto on this team. This is his contract year. Mm -hmm. And it, the Reds probably aren't going to sign him to an extension because he's going to garner like a Bryce Harper type extension, and they're just not yeah. going to pay that. This is not going to happen. Exactly. Well, but it's fun. It's fun. It's fun to talk about. Uh, Grant checks in and says, when the Reds are clicking, they can beat anyone. When they're not, hmm. Well, with four upcoming sophomores, how realistic is a team-wide sophomore slump? All right, Jeff, we've kind of not talked about this. We've we've skirted it, but, mm -hmm. I mean, how realistic is a team-wide sophomore slump? Um, it's a concern. I mean, you, you look no further than what happened 2010 to 2011. They go from winning the division to not even being a playoff team the next year. And it's definitely a possibility because you are betting and the Reds, this is, this is the mantra. This is what their plan was that they're betting on the young guys and not all of them are going to get better. 
Now, the good news is they've got so many of them that, yeah, some of them are going to have a, a little bit of a sophomore slump, maybe take a step back. Some of them are going to take that step forward. So how does that how does that kind of move? How does that meter kind of move a little bit? And I think they've got some dudes that just have really good, like we talked about this after his first month in the major leagues of September, 2022 with Spencer Steer, Spencer Steer's like batting average and on base percentage and everything like that was kind of low in that first month. But we said his plate discipline really underlies a player that's going to improve CES, Noel V. Marte dudes have amazing plate discipline really good at not chasing bad pitches. And I think that when you look at that, when you look at what they were able to do in their little bit amount of time here in the major leagues, I feel like those guys are going to take a step forward. I feel like we saw the wheels turning in a breakout for Ellie De La Cruz. So that's probably three guys that take a step forward and three very important guys in the middle of the lineup to take a step forward. So how does everybody, can you see a, a step back for TJ Friedel? Probably. Can you see a step back maybe for Spencer Steer or something like that? Maybe. But again, we've talked about this before. There's a lot of guys on this team who their, their peripherals say that they are who they are and who they are was pretty impressive last year. So I don't necessarily know that it's just over optimism saying, yes, this team is just going to take a step forward. But I think if I were putting a percentage chance on whether the Reds are going to take a step forward versus taking a step back, I think I put a higher percent, maybe 55, 45, that they take a step forward. And before we talk more about sophomore slumps and what the offseason may bring for the Cincinnati Reds, I want to get personal for a minute because you and I, we talk a lot about wins and losses, who starts and who sits and what the lineup's going to be like, how much we get mad at David Bell's bullpen decisions, but I want to focus more on you, more on your healthcare, because I want to tell you about Jace Medical. Jace Medical is offering the Jace case. They have this great thing that it's got life-saving antibiotics in it. You can get a year's supply of medication that is relevant to you, that helps you in situations where you may be dealing with supply chain shortages, or maybe there's even, you know, some kind of natural disaster, something that is out of your control. Chase Medical is there for you, and they want you to be empowered to take care of your own health care in situations where you may not have expected to need it. Check out JaceMedical.com today and see if this is right for you. They've got a great screening process. They'll help you find exactly what you need at jacemedical.com. Again, that is J-A-S-E medical.com to take control of your personal health care today. And thanks as always for making Lockdown Reds your first listen. This is the bonus Q&A version from Friday's live Aloha edition of the podcast. Make sure that you join us as we go throughout the offseason every Friday afternoon as we go live talking about your Cincinnati Reds. All right, let's jump back into uh, where we were. Like, we were talking about sophomore slumps and things like that. And we uh, look forward to more things that the Reds may do this offseason. Oh, I would go a little bit higher. I call it 60-40 that they're going to be better than they were last year. Uh, for me, you talk about all those things, all those players, all those rookies, collective sophomore slump, 
Mm, I don't think that's likely. I also know that none of those players, nobody that you talked about, uh, with the exception maybe of TJ Friedel there, are playing at their ceilings. None right. of them have achieved that level. They all have room to grow into the talent that they've demonstrated at lower levels. So for me, well, there'll be bumps. There'll be bumps along the oh, way. Yeah. There'll be slumps. Uh, and, and what you hope is they don't all happen at the same time. But and Slumps, for, clumps. How many other words can we get to rhyme with that? Right. But <laughs> when you look at the end, when you look at the end of the 2024 season and you look at the numbers that each of the rookies from 2023 puts up, I think they will all be better than the seasons they had in 2023. I think everybody will be better. So and, that's, and that's kind of what we're, I mean, that's what we're banking on, right? They're, they're going to be better. And the biggest thing when it comes to, is the team going to have a collective sophomore slump? We're talking about the lineup. We haven't mentioned the pitching. The pitching's got nowhere to go, but up. Like, what? I well, mean, that's, that's yeah. funny because <laughs> that's the next comment, let's, let's talk because somebody agrees with you for God. I can't understand why, but <laughs> You go, Jared. You go. I agree with Jeff. Uh, the Reds need one stable starter. Uh, he says, I don't see Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, Abbott, and Williamson all pitching 150-plus innings. Reds would be lucky if two of those guys reach 150 innings. And, of course, this was this was a comment into going out and signing a big-time starting pitcher. And yeah, I'm putting this back up for a second. Because, yeah, you know what? Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, Abbott, and Williamson, all five of those guys are not going to throw 150 innings. But in this, we're not talking about Connor Phillips. We're not talking about Chase Petty. We're not potentially maybe talking about Christian Roa. All guys that we could see with the Cincinnati Reds in 2024. So, yeah, all of these guys aren't going to throw 150 innings, but we're talking about eight starting pitchers for five spots. So I get the argument, and and – and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe everybody doesn't agree with me. Uh, but so fine. Let's spend $27 million and go out and get a guy. Because that's what it's going to cost, Jeff. I see you squinting at me over there. That's what it's going to cost to get a truly ace number one every fifth day, 32 start, 150 plus innings starting pitcher. That's what you're going to pay on the open market right now. I mean, I... The face was actually more so of your inclusion of Christian Rowe. I'm not including him. Okay, that's true. That was a stretch. I, I am okay. Yeah, that's fair. That no, was I think if he's if he's got any value to the major league team, it's in the bullpen. But you're right. Um, I know. I was just trying to make my point. <laughs> Dang it. But yeah, no. Um, I I agree. I think probably two of those guys throw 150 innings, maybe three. I can kind of see three. I I feel like Nick Lodolo is figuring out what it is that's ailed him and he's attacked it. And I think he's going to be ready to go next year. Um, the thing for me, and, and maybe it's just a little bit of pipe dream, a little bit of imagination, but the white Sox are tearing it down, man. Dylan Cease has had 30 starts for the last three years, at least 30 starts for the last three years. I covet that. I want, one starter on this team to make 30 starts next year. Like it feels like last year we had, we had periods. We had the, the, the beginning of the season where Graham Ashcraft was amazing. Then he fell off. Then Andrew Abbott came up here and he was amazing. And then he started to die down a little bit. Ashcraft was good. Then green was good, but nobody's good all at the same time. It, it, it feels like there are points of the season where you can point to. And like that guy was pitching like an ACE, but it was a short period of time. Andrew Abbott was the longest period of time, and that's why we deemed him the ace of the staff moving into next season. 
But when I look at this, I want either one of these guys to step up or the Reds to go get somebody that's going to be that guy, going to be the the every fifth day, the stopper. And you know what? And and I still, I, I, I would love it to be a Dylan Cease, but if you tell me you go get a guy like Bronson Royo, who's just going to be there every fifth day and he's going to give you five or six innings, that's what I want because there's so many of these guys that give you four really good innings, but they've thrown 110 pitches. And they got to be pulled because in this game, you don't, you don't have them throw that much more after 110. So you, then you get into the bullpen and you overwork the bullpen. I need somebody that's going to give me five or six innings every fifth day. And he's going to do it 30 times a year. That's where I really covet the starting pitcher. And does it have to be, you know, Blake Snell in the free agent market? No, but you Hold tell me <laughs> what I know. Yeah, but, 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 but you tell me what it would look like to have a 30 start starter on this rotation. And I'm telling you, this team is much better next year than they were this past season. All right. I'll give you this. This is what I'll give you. I can get on board with the Reds adding that guy, that guy you're describing, but I can only get on board with it if it's a free agent signing. The okay. only way to go out and trade for that guy does irreparable damage to what Nick Crawl's trying to do with his plan. It would take that much prospect capital to go out and trade for that guy. So if they do it in free agency and still address some of the other needs, either with India trade or three agent signings or whatever, if as long as that's not all they do with the free agent market, if that's not all they do with the upgrades, if they go sign that guy, for whatever money that's going to take, and it's going to take a lot, I'd be okay with it. I would not be okay with a trade because I think that would decimate the forward momentum that Nick Craw has built over the last couple years. What would you say, okay, real quick before we go on to our next question, hypothetically, the Reds trade for Dylan Cease. They send India, Arroyo, and they send uh, Connor Phillips. You send an unknown commodity. Like, sure, Connor Phillips could be good, but we don't know that. And you get back a bona fide good starter. Because I think that's probably what it takes. They might have to. I don't know that they'd have to throw somebody else in there because those three guys all together are pretty valuable. But, yeah, that's what. If, that, if that's the deal, nothing more. Mm -hmm. I could almost get on board with that. And, I mean, you're taking a big risk there. And mm -hmm. what you think and what you think Arroyo is going to be. Um, maybe I do that deal. I certainly do not entertain the thoughts of trading anybody else off the active roster besides Jonathan India. Um, trading Arroyo along with Phillips, you've still got Chase Petty. Um, I might could live with that, but that's the absolute max. And then you make that trade. There's no other. I'm not entertaining any other trades for, for, prospects in the system for guys on like that's it that's your that's, that's your prospect capable i'm willing to willing to part with and and the reason that i bring that up is because i really believe that if you make that trade then you can fill out the bullpen through free agency because dylan cease his arbitration expectation number is like eight and a half for this year so you're talking about an amazing top flight starter for less than 10 million you go out you fill out your bullpen 
you get your power back on the free agent market and you go into 2024 feeling like gangbusters, like you're like good job Cubs on getting Craig council and all this other stuff. We got it. We got this. So I, I, that's a tough one because yeah, I don't necessarily know if that's enough and, 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 and maybe it works out that way. I'm, I'm kind of looking up the trade values right now, but um, if that is the trade, I feel like, gosh, you almost got to do that. I'd be interested to see what the, the, the trade site says about that and, and go ahead and finish it out. And while you're doing that, I just want to say this is an excellent show today, guys, your questions are on point. Your comments are on point. I'm, I'm having a blast. This is, this has been a great show. Um, oh yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> I'm almost bummed that we've got it all crammed into this one show. Cause there's, there's, there's a week's worth of, of content happening here, guys, as off of your questions and comments. And we'll you definitely expound on it for sure. Job, yeah, for sure. I think we can go back and look at all the, um, comments through the day. We'll, we'll pull a lot of this into future episodes. You guys are, are doing fantastic. Uh, before I move on to the next question, uh, did you get, you got that? The numbers yeah, according to baseball trade values, that's not enough. Right. Uh, the value so, the, Dylan sees is 44 million. The value of those three players put together is 33 million. See, so uh, that's, that's, that's where I'm like, if you're going to get that guy, it's going to cost you. And if it's going to cost you, I want it to cost Bob Castellini. Uh, he can write the check. I do not want it to cost us the fans years and years of heartache because we had Dylan cease for a season or two. Um, so keep the prospects, spend Bob's money. Everybody go out and buy some cabbage, and then we can go get a free agent starting pitcher. That's just the way I look at it. All right, let's move on to this one. Uh, if a right-handed outfielder is a huge need, and it is, who is the odd man out? Friedel is a lock. We also heard Steer will be playing outfield more. Steer, if let me finish this. That leaves Fraley and Benson, who are both pretty good. Um, Steer is going to be a left fielder. If Jonathan India is not traded, that's just mm -hmm. the way it's going to be. Steer is going to be a left fielder. Uh, Friedel is your everyday center fielder, uh, hoping that he can maintain his ability to hit left-handed pitching. And then in right field, you've got a platoon situation that needs to shake out. So here's how I think it works, Jeff. An odd man out may not necessarily be an odd man out. We've already said that Jose Barrero is going to be your 26th man to fill in little bits of innings here and there, infield and outfield. What I could see playing out is you platoon left field with Spencer Steer and Jake Fraley. That's mm -hmm. the platoon. Now, I'm not saying platoon Spencer Steer because then what you do is DH you use Spencer Steer as a DH as an occasional third base relief, second base relief. Spencer Steer can even play shortstop in a relief role. I wouldn't start him there every day, but he can play there for a little while. So he gets his, his bats that way full time and is your right-handed batting platoon half in left field with Jake Fraley. Again, TJ Friedel is your everyday center fielder barring him forgetting how to hit the lefties. And then in right field now, you get the right-handed power bat. Now, I'm not saying it has... I, I think I did say everyday right field... Everyday right-handed power hitting. I'm okay if it's just a, a platoon right-handed power hitter. That's okay. You partner that guy up with Will Benson. There's your platoon. So in my, in my mind, that's how that shakes out. If they went and got a full-time guy, if they signed a full-time right-handed bat, then you got to get creative 
but I don't necessarily think it creates an odd man out. I think it will require a lot of thought on David Bell's part and how he utilizes that designated hitter position in order to get every time they're full time at bats while still keeping everybody on the roster. And then your odd man out. Well, maybe that's Jose Barrero. If you and go out and make a significant signing, all of those outfielders are better than Jose Barrero. And, and, and now you're cooking. The idea is to continue to upgrade the roster and, and you do that. And if that means Jose's looking for work, then Jose's looking for work. And I feel like too, the, the question that Jared's posing does come from a position of thinking of an everyday right-handed bat in the outfield, as opposed to a platoon option. I do find it interesting as well. Baseball trade values has Jake Fraley as double the value of Jonathan India on the trade market at 15 million. So that could be an interesting little wrinkle there, but I, I don't know. I, I really like the Reds outfield. And I think, I think that would be an area because I know Will Benson and Jake Fraley have not shown the propensity to hit a left-handed pitcher so far in their career. But I do think that that's been minimalized. I almost wonder if you go into the season saying, yes, at some point, we're just going to have Will Benson or Jake Fraley hitting against a left-handed pitcher because that's the way our roster shakes out. I don't think that's a deficiency because I think that this outfield is very talented. I mean, Jake Fraley with one foot was still a pretty good DH and we've seen him in the outfield. He's pretty decent defensively. Like I, I really think Jake Fraley is one of the most underestimated players on this team. And it's just because he doesn't hit left-handed pitching. If he hit left-handed pitching, he'd be one of the most valuable players on this team because he has shown the ability to mash right-handed pitching. He's a good base runner, and he's pretty good defensively. He was the, not necessarily the throw-in, because ultimately Connor Phillips was the throw-in as the player to be named later, but he was like the second-to-last person on the list of names that the Reds got back for Eugenio Suarez and Jesse Winker, and he has been super valuable to the Reds ever since that trade happened. We've reached the point where we should be wrapping, Jeff, but there's so much good stuff over here. I want to do a few more. I want to roll for a little bit longer because I want to get to some of this, and then the rest of it we'll either have to pick up next Friday or uh, pull it out for episodes a little bit later in the offseason. But Carrick Melvin, our buddy, checked in there uh, when we were having some of these conversations about pitching. And a couple names that I didn't mention, you didn't mention, but I want to I wanna get into them for just a second and how realistic their contributions can be. Let's start with this one from Carrick. He says, and Carson Spires, and I think this is in response to the other pitching we have available where I'm saying we don't necessarily need to go out and get a starting pitcher. Uh, Carson Spires. How do I we, definitely put him above? How do we Christian value Kirby? him and as being a contributor, and how do we see him contributing in 2024? I do like what he did in the Arizona Fall League. I think that I look at him a little bit differently because of that. And again, it's a little bit folly to go too crazy on evaluating a player because of their performance in Arizona during that Fall League. But it was nice to see his development, especially in the strikeout to walk ratio. And I think that. He showed at times that he can be a decent pitcher. Could he become, because we talked about this, and then, of course, he elected free agency after being sent to AAA, but we talked about Ben Lively being this, like, go-between guy who can pitch two or three innings, can make a spot start if you need him to. I think Carson Spires could be that guy, and I don't necessarily know that you want to count on that. Could he develop into that in the spring training? Absolutely. 
but I definitely think that he needs to be included on the depth chart of the pitching. I would agree with Carrick on that. And then the other name he brings up and, and, and thank you Carrick, because I continue to forget about this guy and shame on me because he also says that Rhett Lauder could be an option for 2024. And I don't think you and I, Jeff, and this will probably be its own episode here coming up sometime have spent very much time talking about Lauder, but, uh, he really is a realistic option for some time in 2024. I don't necessarily think it'll be opening day, but if he is as polished and we have yet to see him, you know, in the professional ranks pitching, but he's going to start out high. And if he doesn't start out high, he's going to move quickly um, by all accounts from people that you and I trust from, from the Tom Nichols, from the, from all of the people that we talk to in the Reds minor league system, Louder's ready to go. I like his profile. Uh, I like, uh, we've mentioned this before. He has, ha he told me he has had to pitch since high school, not throw. He's never been a thrower. He's never had the, the high velocity stuff where he can just be like, it's coming. See if he can hit it. He's always had to pitch with a strategic mindset. I would love to see what he can do for the Reds in 2024. The only question I have is how healthy is his arm? Because there was questions about that after the draft, that there might have been a little bit of arm fatigue there. Part of the reason that I don't think we saw him pitch at all in Dayton, he was just on the developmental side of things with the Dragons, is because I think they were treating that arm with kid gloves. So what's he show up to spring training like? How healthy is he? And if he's pitching like normal in spring training, there's no setbacks, there's no uh, you know worries about what he might do to that arm, then yes, I'm very bullish on him as a player, but it's all about how healthy that arm is because if it's something that needs to be shut down, then the Reds absolutely need to shut it down. He's not in any point in his career where they need to be pushing through anything. Um, so that's the only question that I have is the question of health, but everything that I learn getting to talk to him and Dayton and, you know, seeing what he did in college and things like that, it's very widely known that players coming out of Wake Forest are pretty decently developed. They have a nice development system there in Wake Forest. The interesting question is, and, and our friend Lindsey Crosby over at Lockdown MLB Prospects will say this, is that there's some that think they come out so polished from Wake Forest that they don't have much more to give. They don't have much more to learn. So I'll be interested to see how that works with him and his personal development, but I know that he comes out at a much higher floor than even really, I think, where Chase Petty is right now. Let's take one more, and it's on a topic we have not discussed at all today, uh, and then that'll do it for today. Um, guys, this has been great. Uh, Y'all are, sure. are on point today, and I appreciate each and every one of you for being here. I see we're well attended today uh, on the live feed. Uh, thank you guys so much. Let's Let's wrap up with this, Jeff. This comes from Grant. Does Stevenson improve next season? Uh, so much was expected of him last year, and he was underwhelming. Does he straighten it out, or is he the next ship passing in the night? What do you think? I'll let you go first, because I, I have thoughts. I think he improves. Um, the exit velocity ticked up last year, and there was something about his BABIP in the second half of the season that was just completely unlucky toward him because his average exit velocity – his chase rate, all of that stuff was ticking up. He was improving because we know the first half of the season was very bad. 
And then the second half of the season, if you're just looking at batting average, you say, well, it wasn't much better. In fact, it might've been a little bit worse, but the underlying numbers say that there were some adjustments that were being made. I think that we see an offensive renaissance in them. And I think that just another year under his belt defensively as a catcher, he's going to continue to get better. I think that Tyler Stevenson takes a step forward next year. Now we got ahead of ourselves. You got ahead of yourself, especially saying he's going to hit 40 homers. Um, but we got ahead of ourselves saying that he was the heart and soul of this team. And he doesn't have to be anymore. He can just be a good catcher. And I think that that's what he's going to turn into. Yeah, I agree with all of what you just said. Here's some things. And folks, we are working behind the scenes to try and get Tyler back this offseason. Um, it's hard to catch up with these guys during the offseason. They unplug from baseball for a while. I'm hoping that when Tyler comes up for air, resurfaces and starts firing it back up we get him back again because i have a lot of questions for him uh because i think and i don't know if he'll answer us or if he'll tell us but i think he was still hurt for the first half of the 2023 baseball season i think that his shoulder coming off of that clavicle injury was not right because not only was he not hitting the ball well but he was not throwing the ball well either he was not right. great behind the plate uh, both of those yeah. things uh, are are I think what contributed to the way the first half look when you add into that also that on top of that, the reds were asking him to do things he had never done before and, and be this, be this catcher, first baseman, DH, the plan, uh, all of those things I think combined for that really bad first half. What we did see, despite what the numbers tell us, and you're right, Jeff, he was unlucky in the second half. He was hitting the ball hard. He was making good contact right to people right at people. Uh, he just couldn't really catch a break. And so I think when you take all of those things and you look at the what, what it ended up producing, what his season ended up looking like, when you take all of that information and look at 2024, it only, it has to be better. He has to have, he has to have a step forward from where 2023 was because he's not coming into the year injured. He's not coming into the year being asked to play all over the place. You're absolutely right in that. He's not coming into 2024 being counted on to be the number four cleanup hitting guy that needs to drive the offensive engine. He's not going to be that dude. As you say, Jeff, he just needs to be a good catcher and he is a good catcher. And he will continue to be a good catcher. And I think the sky's the limit for him in 2024. 40 home runs. Okay, yeah. I got a little ahead of myself. I got excited. Drank the Kool-Aid just a little bit. 25 home runs. Yeah. He can be that guy. He can be that guy hitting number seven. He can be that guy hitting number eight. Down with Will Benson hitting number nine. That's not a bad bottom of your lineup. I, 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 I have nothing but high hopes for Tyler Stevenson in 2024. There's not an easy out in this lineup for sure. And I, I think functionally last year was his sophomore slump because you look at the number of games he played in 2020, 2021, and 2022, it basically amounted to a full season. And then 2023 was basically his sophomore slump. So now he's going to break out from that. He's going to step forward. And we're going to see the Tyler Stevenson a lot closer to what we expected at the beginning of last year, as opposed to where we were in like June, where we're just like, good Lord, just hit the ball off the ground for a minute. And, and I think we're going to see a lot more of that next year. Jeff, I think that is where we should go ahead and wrap it up for today. We have blown past the one hour mark. Um, 
thank you guys. This is great. I, I could yeah, talk baseball with you all all day. Uh, we're not going to do that, but I could totally do it. You guys have been so much fun. Don't forget, we're going to be here as many Fridays as we can during the off season. I know there's uh, uh, some wonky holiday scheduling coming up, but we're going to do this as often as we can. Uh, make sure you are subscribed, both as a regular subscription to the video or audio feeds or both. And then if you're on the video feed over here on YouTube, click that notification bell as well, because it will let you know when we jump on and do live as we get more and more into the off season, there will be breaking news. There will be times where we have unscheduled lives go to react to something that the Reds have done. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, so make sure that you're subscribed so that you get all of that. We appreciate you being here. Uh, I appreciate you being here. This is my favorite type Absolutely. of episode to do. Uh, appreciate you guys so much. Absolutely. And that is where we will wrap today's episode up. Thank you so much for checking out today's Lockdown Reds Aloha Live edition of the podcast. Coming up next week, we will dive back in to kind of evaluating the players that we saw last season and looking forward to what we can expect. But coming up now, we've got the Lockdown Sports Today 24-7 live stream. Thanks so very much for checking us out and hang on as we uh, go around the sports world.